Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about another Zoop project today. It's called Thoughtscape. It's a sci-fi anthology, and we have one of the writers and the editor of the anthology here with us today. It's my pleasure to welcome Matt Mayer-Lowry to the show. Matt, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious. I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Uh and I think sci-fi, for whatever reason, along with fantasy, really lends itself to the anthology format really, really well. So can you give us a little bit of background on what made you want to put this project Thoughtscape together? Sure. Um, so I'm actually the writer on all the stories in the book and or the series, I guess. And I basically came up with it as a way to... I guess I had a lot of ideas I wanted to get out there. I'd gone through uh, the comics publishing world a bit with my uh, property Life Formed uh, with artist Cassie Anderson. And we did uh, two books, uh, two graphic novels of Life Formed through Dark Horse. Um, and I just... Um, it was a great experience, but it was also a very sort of slow, arduous experience. And I wanted to be able to, you know, I guess in the spirit of sci-fi and some of my uh, heroes rip through ideas faster, put out more work uh, on a faster pace. And uh, so I basically started kind of just writing a bunch of sci-fi shorts sort of in the outer limits, Twilight Zone sort of arena. Um, and as I was writing those, they all sort of, I noticed they had a bunch of similar themes. Um, and I started sort of in a, you know, RoboCop, Aliens, Blade Runner sort of way, like there were sort of shared company names that were occurring throughout the stories and stuff. Um, and I just kind of decided that they could all fit together. And so the anthology was sort of born out of a way to take all those stories that were extremely loosely connected, um, but kind of just existing in the same universe and put them under one umbrella um, and be able to, you know, I guess, put them out as something more than just a single short story at a time, which seemed like a real hard um hard thing to kind of get out in out to people um sort of like a little bit too ephemeral uh, you know eight pages at a time or something but right. um being able to package it up and uh the book also has some sort of like world building stuff in it like fake ads and um communiques and that kind of thing and so being able to have like a you know 48 page comic that had a few stories in it um and also uh, just sort of help build the world seemed like a good way to get going. And then there were also just all these amazing artists that I was both working with or, uh, you know, um, coming across online and wanting to work with. And so, you know, cranking out short stories seemed like the best way to just work with like a real wide variety of um, artists and have something that kind of was able to do multiple tones and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Now, um, as I said, this is the, the second volume, uh, yep. the first volume, did you self-publish that also? Uh, and if so, yeah. was it, was it through Kickstarter? Yeah, I did a Kickstarter last about a year. Well, last March, I guess, um, we did the Kickstarter for that and that was successful. We had about, uh, 400, over 400 backers, um, raised over nine grand for that. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty, uh, was a good experience. Definitely like helped, uh, 
get the reach out there that those dark horse books had come out a while ago and um you know uh as uh, not that there's any not much notoriety to be had but if i had had any um it was sort of waning so it was nice to reach out to some new folks and um and i guess you know uh make make the book a part of some people's worlds so it was fun yeah now what made you decide to go with zoop this time around um i was i was planning on doing a kickstarter um kickstarter announced their blockchain uh plans um and this was i it's all been a little bit of a blur early yeah. december i guess i was yeah um it's it's been a huge blur um so and i'm just uh you know i I don't have a ton to say about that necessarily, other than I wasn't really down with it. Um, a big part of Thoughtscape is sort of examining the downfalls of our techno capitalist, uh, ne necro capitalist ways. So um, right. I, I didn't feel like I could really in good faith put the book out with somebody going down that path. Um, and I was super impressed when all that happened with um, the way Zoop responded to the situation and the community. Um, and I reached out to them and uh, talked to Eric there um, after listening, I think even maybe to your podcast, if I think Jordan was on here, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of did my due diligence, um, talked to those guys, and it seemed like it could be a really cool fit. Um, I was, you know, like I said, impressed with how they were engaging the community. They, you know, uh, no, no slam on anybody I've worked with in the past, but they were more responsive than any publisher I've worked with before, just in terms of like getting back to me real fast um, and being ready to move um, in a quick way. And uh, I've run my own business for a long time uh, now. And so I'm, uh, I'm all about, you know, moving and being agile, uh, mm -hmm. and adapting. So, um, I like that we could, we can take it down this path and see if we can make it work. Um, yeah, should be fun. seems like there's some cool, I saw Tim Seeley, uh, got a book, uh, coming out now through Zoop. Um, so it seems like, uh, some folks are getting on board and, um, yeah, could, could be a cool thing. I also like the idea of something that's focused on comics. Cause I think comics is a unique, uh, a real unique thing. And if we've got some, uh, a service that's kind of, um, there for us, not just there for kind of anybody who wants to do crowdfunding, right. um, it seems like there could be some real benefits there. So. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. You know, I, like I, I certainly wouldn't, you know, condemn anybody for sticking with Kickstarter. It, it's what they know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not looking to, I, cause I do a lot of creator owned interviews as, as you probably know, if you li have listened to the podcast, yep. so I'm not looking to, you know, to hurt anybody and, and I, I'm not judging anybody, but I, I feel oh, the boy. same way. Like, like now's the time, man. Like it's past time, honestly, you know, with what we're doing to the environment. So, yes, you know, yeah. uh, I just, I have my doubts about NFT and blockchain and, uh, you know, until I get somebody that gives me a satisfactory answer, because I feel like I still haven't gotten one. I'm, I'm not looking to go out of my way to, to, to help promote that. Um, yeah. The other aspect of this now is, you know, again, Zoop is growing and there's definitely a community growing around it, especially with comics, because both Eric and Jordan, both I know them personally, they both love, love comics, you know, yep. and Kickstarter's got the other aspect, video games and, you know, just consumer products and, and board games and whatnot. Uh, but somewhat of a, of a community, maybe not as, as comic 
centric focus, but you had a successful Kickstarter uh, and it sounds like you did quite well. So you, you probably already had a little bit of a, a community built up around Thoughtscape. So obviously the hope is that they follow you over here to, to Zoop. Yeah. Um, but did you feel like around the first, uh, the first campaign that you did start to build that sort of Thoughtscape community? Yeah, I think it, um, I think more than I thought it might, like I, you know, reaching over 400 backers was, um, and not all, you know, my family and friends, uh, was, uh, was cool. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the best thing is always to put something out there and have people react in a positive way. I guess it seems sort of obvious to say it, but, um, but we had that many backers. Folks seem to really like the book. Um, I, I sort of view this as like my shot to do something the way I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as good as an experience as it was working with a publisher, like there's certain things that I just, you know, I grew up, I'm a child of the eighties, eighties comic books. Mm -hmm. I wanted Thoughtscape to feel like an old comic. So if you actually get a physical copy of Thoughtscape, it's uncoated paper, kind of like uh, late eighties, pre-vertigo DC. Um, it feels good in your hands and like, and so to your point about the community, like I got that out there and people were reacting to some of that same stuff, loving it, um, it loving it just uh, on the object level, really grooving on the stories um, because it's an anthology and because I found such amazing folks to work with, like uh, everybody kind of has like a different favorite, whether art style or a different favorite story. Um, and I just heard from a lot of people that were like, really happy with how the campaign went, really liked the product or really liked the story. So it seemed to be like kind of a nice mix of not just, not just the content, not just the campaign, not just, it was like uh, across the board, everybody seemed to be pretty into it. So um, yeah, I think uh, it, it turned out well, especially for something that was basically like, if, uh, if there's a project I've done, that's as me as it can be, it's this thing. And so to have people be into it too, when I, thought maybe nobody would care, <laughs> you know, um, uh, was very cool. And, uh, and I think, you know, um, I'm still able to communicate with those backers and everything. So definitely hoping that they'll come over for the second issue. Um, and yeah, make it a success on Zoop. So, yeah, well, it's, it's very, it's very validating, right? Because totally, you know, and, and I, I think especially for, for you in this case, because, it's one thing to be part of an anthology when you're writing all the stuff, all the stories yeah. yourself. It's, it's kind of times four, right? Like, yep. you know, because if you're bringing in, you know, if, if you're doing an anthology and you have, you know, four different writers, let's say, or even two different writers, they can bring in some of maybe their own fan base. But right, you know, this this was this was all on you. So yeah, very, very validating uh, to be so successful. You know, over 400 backers is uh, is amazing. So as we said, this is the the second volume. Yep. Um, now, two of the stories are continuing stories and two of the stories are, are new. Right. So yep. uh, real quickly, can can we go story by story and you can give us a quick elevator pitch and uh, and maybe let us know who the artist is for each of the stories in, in volume two? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first story we've got, um, and this is one of our, I guess I, in my head, I call them the tent poles of Thoughtscape. I don't know if that's the proper term or not, but um, so we've got uh, Thoughtscape 2319, which is a uh, further future um, tale of a, uh, I guess, 
she's a thought collection officer, um, Odessa Query, who uh, is out at the edge of space, going to different space stations that are listening posts for uh, gathering all the every thought that anybody ever has basically this is one of the conceits of the overall thoughtscape um every thought that's ever thought goes out into this fifth dimension and can be and this there's a company that has figured out how to record those thoughts and tries to monetize them mm -hmm. make products out of them all that kind of stuff and so uh, her job is to go from listening post to listening post collecting these and bringing them back for harvesting basically um and so as she's going about her business uh, doing that, um, there is a uh, one of these space stations gets raided and she goes after the folks that basically wiped out this space station. And it's sort of, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit aliens um, sort of. Uh, deep space action intrigue. Um, the artist on that is Dave Waugh, who is amazing, um, has a book out uh, called The Space Auditorium uh, that he's the artist on also. Um, and he Dave does an amazing like mixture of uh, old school pencils and inks and then watercolors and Photoshop. Um, so he's got a, it's a really unique look, um, super compelling stuff. Um, and yeah, so that's one of our ongoing series. Um, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned alien when you were talking about it, because yeah. that's so perfectly the way to describe it. Cause I, I feel like, I mean, not that there weren't some, you know, especially in the 60s, like B-movie kind of mixture of sci-fi and horror when science was, you know, really kind of entering the mainstream yep. consciousness. Um, but Alien, it feels to me like the first big thing where it really was a melding of sci-fi and and horror. And yes. I think, yep. and I'll see if you agree with this. I And I think part of the reason that, that sci, you know, far future space travel, sci-fi and horror meld so well together is space really is the final frontier. It's It really is the unknown. And so much of horror why you're scared is because you you don't know you don't have the knowledge you don't know what's out there you, you know what's around the corner yeah uh, you have captured that feel really really well oh excellent story um and so you know not, not that we're going to spoil anything but i mean was that your intent i mean is it going to get scarier like is there yeah it feels like it yeah, I basically wanted, I mean, I guess now that you say that, I haven't even thought about it, but I'm thinking about the future of it, like knowing where it's going. Right. And um, it's like, it's even got some, when you say it's sort of the final frontier, it's even got some of that West, like Western element to it. Right. So yeah. there's like, there's a lot of, and I think this is not a spoiler in the first couple uh, chapters of it. Um, there's a lot of weird folks out there on the, on the edges, um, people who have weird beliefs and, uh, and there's, you know, no laws um, necessarily. And so exploring all that um, and uh, figuring out, um, you know, what crazy stuff might go down right. out there is a, is a huge part of it. Um, and I definitely hope it gets, uh, scary and rewarding in that way. Um, and unexpected, uh, and hopefully like as my, as is my want with this whole thing, like, I hope we can go on for a while. Cause I've got, you know, uh, I would say like one, you know, one sixty fourth of all of this is actually, uh, on paper yet. So it's, um, it, it would be really nice to touch on it all, but um, yeah, we've got some, I think some really creepy villains um, who are uh, 
in this who show up in the second part and uh, think it's a lot of fun so um yeah and then the second story uh is called the griever and uh this one's tough to talk about without spoiling it um but it's basically uh sort of uh grappling with what is the what is uh, the potential for uh, humans to tune out um, at an end of life uh, care situation. So right. it's, it's pretty specific. Um, and it felt uh, very pandemic sort of. Influenced. Yeah, it, that's funny. I think I actually wrote it before the pandemic, but um, it was uh, it's definitely um, definitely could be there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's uh, the um, so that one's I I think that one's got you know a, a pretty Twilight Zoney um, sort of uh, twisty kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, the art on that, uh, pencils and inks are by Jacob Edgar, um, who's got a really awesome like classics you know Darwin cookie style. Yeah. Um, and uh, Leslie Atlansky did the colors on that. Um, so yeah, it's it, it all really pops. Um, it feels like it works really well with Jacob's art and, and Leslie's colors. Um, yeah, ton, ton of fun. Um, well, maybe not a ton of fun, but uh, I, I had, fun, I had yeah. fun seeing it come together. Yeah, well, and the, and the other thing is the kind of the, the main conceit of the story that you've created here. I mean, even though this is a one and done, you could go back with other other situations, other yeah. supporting characters and explore it in different different ways. Totally. And I, like, I find that that's something that I do a lot. I, I tend to write not the same story, but I think like I've noticed and they won't all make it to print of course, but it's like, I've noticed that I stick with a theme or a concept for uh, two or three stories, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of like examining it from different angles. Different angles and right? yeah. sometimes, sometimes one works way better than the other. Um, and, uh, but it seems to be like, that's, uh, it takes that long to get it, you know, the idea out of my brain. So, right. um, yeah. Uh, and, and so I think a lot of these, like a lot of it's all concepts to go back to, right. It's like, mm -hmm. how is technology affecting us in this way? And like, I mean, there's, there's only so many aspects to human existence. So you're just kind of like turning the, turning the uh, prism, right. And looking right. at yep. a different, different angle. So, um, yeah. So speaking of which, I guess uh, it, it, the next story is called Drones, um, drawn by uh, Tyrell Cannon, who also had a story in the first um, issue. And so this is the second thing I've gotten to work on with Tyrell. Um, and but actually was the first story we did. So um, the story that was in the first issue is a sort of hyper violence, Matt writing a poem uh, about existentialism while Tyrell goes um, bonkers on his amazing action art. Uh, that was actually the second thing we ever did. Um, Drones is the first, um, though it's in the second issue. So nice and confusing for us. Um, but uh, it is about a uh, someone who control a, a guy sitting in a cubicle um, who's an ace pilot, but he's because he's controlling a drone on another planet attacking uh, an alien um, race uh, that we're, you know, trying to colonize the planet on. So, um, and yeah, so it's sort of a, 
it's got a real outer limits vibe to it. If, if Twilight Zone is nice and tight and uh, a little moralistic, um, the outer limits just gets kind of weird in my head. And, uh, and that's, I think where the story goes, it's just like, uh, gets weird with it. Um, but Tyrell's great blast to work with. Um, you know, if I, uh, I mean, all, all these folks, if I had just bags of money, I would be, um, I would be trying to fill up their calendars with stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of always working on a story for him in the hopes that I can, uh, can afford to get it done at some point. Um, I was working on one this morning. So yeah, um, he's great. And this one's done uh, black and white with uh, screen tones. Mm -hmm. um, so it provides kind of a cool contrast to the griever, which uh, Leslie went really kind of bright and poppy with the colors on. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And yeah, just kind of weird, weird future war, I guess. Yep. Um, yeah. And and then the last story is uh, called um, Ex Post Facto, uh, A Dash Varick Misadventure. And that is with artist um, and amazing artist at that, Carl Solminski. Um, this is sort of, I, I did an interview with uh, a podcaster a while back and he called it um, Doctor Who, if Doctor Who was David Lynch. And yeah. I guess uh, that's that's pretty much where my head was at, too. So yeah, um, he just put accurate. it more succinctly than I could. Uh, but yeah, big, I guess, big Twin Peaks vibes meets Carl's sort of Sienkiewicz, uh, but totally unique art stylings. Um, and it's this is sort of uh, this this whole series, or this is one of our other tent poles, I guess. So this is part two. Um, and this whole thing started as me just sort of uh, in the, once the pandemic had started, um, there was all the sort of uh, social unrest stuff happening as well. Um, a lot of it was happening in Portland um, and, and it, and this ended up being sort of like me taking a bunch of my uh, ranting and um, sort of, not a diary i just like was inspired to start writing stuff i started writing it and i was like i didn't know what it was at some point i wondered if i could turn it into a script uh and i at that same time that i was wondering that i had started really falling in love with carl's art finding it on instagram and twitter and stuff um and i was kind of like i bet that I could do something with this <laughs> and so i sent it to him and he was completely game um and uh yeah so um so this one gets real weird and um maybe is uh, a little bit tough to tell what's going on but that's also some of my favorite storytelling is not knowing exactly what's happening um so uh yeah the david lynch of it all um is is certainly there um there's a lot of room for interpretation and um and hopefully it's fun. And I mean, if nothing else, like Carl's art, you can go back and each panel is different. He, he changes up his style, you know, nearly every page, um, if not more than that, in a way that's all integrated. But, you know, one panel is a splash of crazy color and the next is, uh, you know, um, I'm blanking the duotone, I want to say, but um, that's probably not right. You know, dot pitch um, yeah. shading and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's at least a blast to look at, um, and, you know, reading it, you're maybe helping me sort through my own issues. Um, so. Well, I mean, the fact that the <laughs> kind of the, cause each of them kind of has their own cover. I mean, we get a cover yeah. that looks like, and, and anyone probably, 
you know, 20 or younger probably yes. will recognize <laughs> yep. the fact that it's like, it looks like an old TV guide. And then you even have TV listings in there, which, you know, again, when we, when we were kids, you went to watch TV because I'm a child of the eighties too. Like if you want to know what was on, it was the TV guide. There was no yep. built in kind of guide. Like, you know, there is now, or there is on cable. I know yes. we don't even have cable anymore. Now they've even moved beyond that. Yep. But yeah, it was, it was the TV guide, man. Like he came to your house and once a week, that's how you yep. plan, planned your, your weeknights. Oh yeah. I get, we had the, we got the T like in the newspaper on Sundays, yep. they had the TV click, like the yep. full size guy. And I would like, you know, especially in the fall when there were new shows, because oh, yeah. I've always been a TV junkie. I've just been there like circling which ones I'm going to watch. I'm putting the covers up on my, you know, cutting the cover off and putting it up like it's a poster. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's all good. So I had a blast writing those, uh, um, those little TV guide-esque uh, descriptions um, and trying to, you know, do some more to flesh out the world and also just have fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot there to dig into and, um, I think, uh, it's all on its way to making some sense there in the, <laughs> in the dash Varick world. So, um, yeah, so that's what we got line in the second one. Um, and like I said, there, each one, uh, this one's going to be 48 pages too, just like the first, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, and uh, the some of the other. Um, so in the front of each front and back of each issue, we've got some like world. I guess it's world building stuff. I don't. I I'm not a huge fan of like just saying let's do some world building. But um, right. this is these are sort of uh, transmissions from the Thoughtscape, um, framed as if you're an employee of the company that records uh, all the thoughts and that are out there. So. Um, this in the second issue, uh, the writer George Pendle, um, who's become a friend of mine the last couple of years, uh, he wrote a book on uh, Jack Parsons called Strange Angel that got uh, was a CBS series um, for a couple seasons. Um, anyway, George is amazing. And uh, I asked him if he would be interested in contributing anything. So he, uh, he actually wrote the front and back matter of the second issue. Um, so people can get a little bit of break from me um, and read. Uh, George came up with a cool uh, employee quiz for uh, the Thoughtscape. Um, that was a lot of fun and had me uh, laughing out loud when I pulled it up um, in his email. So uh, yeah, so that's um, it's, it's pretty cool to, you know, I guess, uh, have like you said the community of it all and i think like there's a community of folks that checked out the book and then there's the community that's been sort of helping me make it um or that i've sucked into the community whether they want to be or not uh but it feels real fun to have you know a group effort um and something that um I don't know, maybe what I'm thinking about shot through the amazing visual styles of all these folks. And then the, the cover by Grim Wilkins, um, it would, I guess would be the last big piece there. Um, Grim and I came close to working on a story before, but he had something else come up uh, a few years ago. Um, so when I was looking at, uh, trying to get a batch of covers ready for the first four issues. I went to him and um, he came up with something that only Grimm could come up with. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty great um, and a ton of fun. And like, I don't know, I'm all about the contrast these days. So the contrast mm -hmm. between uh, Jenna Shaw's um, 
sort of stark black and white cover for our first issue uh, with Grimm's pop art um, colored second issue cover um, is a lot of fun to me. So, yeah. So hopefully when we can suck in some more folks that dig the variety and stuff. Yeah. Now, as, as we're recording this, just in the interest of full disclosure, everybody, the, yeah. uh, the campaign hasn't, hasn't started yet. Yep. Um, so I, you may not know this, uh, Matt, but let me ask you, do, yeah. can you get the first volume in, you know, if you missed it, can you get the first volume in this campaign? And, and can you tell us any of the other kind of special tiers beyond just getting the book that you guys are going to be doing? Yeah, I'm keeping it pretty simple, but I do have, uh, Issue one will be a part of it. So if you missed issue, if you missed the first issue last time around, um, it you will be able to pick that up. Uh, I've got you know I've got enough I'm sure, but and I've got a large number of physical copies. There it'll be available digitally as well as will the second issue. Um, you'll be able to you know buy both in a bundle or buy just issue two if you did pick up the first one, um, both digitally. Um, the and so let's see um the uh, so like i said keeping it pretty simple so it's going to be mostly just the comics um the other tier i'm going to add in is i've got a Substack newsletter going mm -hmm. um i have a paid level for that and uh george that i mentioned earlier and i are working with uh dave law the 20 thoughtscape 2319 artist um to come up with a probably six part it's sort of uh we're, we're developing this as we go so it'll be mm -hmm. a little bit of an experiment um we're going to release like a basically like a micro theory micro series um through memberships there so you'll be able to if you want to you can get issues one and two get a membership to nervous system which is the newsletter and as part of that you'll get uh at least six drops of um this epistolary style sort of like the back of watchmen each watchman mm -hmm. issue had um you know those different uh what do we got you know like interviews or uh newspaper articles press releases um so we're, we're putting together those um as basically individual issues that tell the story of uh life tech which is the company that um that runs the thoughtscape essentially um gotcha. and so uh, george has become sort of the life tech historian and has baked a whole bunch of backstory along with the backstory i already had so you know we've got our like 500 year timeline um that's ridiculous that we're gonna kind of start at the beginning of um and see how this company evolved um in a way that uh, I think is pretty cool. Dave's done some really great art for it uh, that folks will be able to see um, on the page uh, or on the uh, zoo page. Um, and, and yeah, I like George is George is like me, but with more funny. And uh, I feel like um, it's just got a different gear of that. Yeah. Um, and as well as being in, incredibly smart and coming up with some really cool sort of sciencey stuff um, behind it all. Uh, so I think it'll be a ton of fun. Um, and I love to design out like the interior pages and stuff um, as I've done on the issues. And so it's a blast for me to like be laying out, you know, make this like we were talking about the TV guide ad, but like make this look like a press release, make this look like an excerpt from a book about the company and yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I think um, that's that's the big uh, extra one. And then the other thing, the last thing we've got on there um, that we're planning for is uh, I have a limited number of the Dark Horse runs of Lifeformed, mm-hmm. um, both books. Um, and so if folks get in while there's copies of those around, um, they'll be able to grab. And it's in the nice Zoop style where you can kind of just can tailor your order, right? More right. like a shopping cart. Um, so uh, folks can get a hold of those. And those are, t- so that'll be done as a two pack, the first two volumes of that. Um, and those are about like, uh, come out to about 200 pages each. Um, great art by Cassie Anderson. And that's uh, life formed as the story of a girl whose dad's killed in an alien invasion and a shape-shifting rebel alien takes his place. They team up and fight back, sort of a coming-of-age story, sci-fi action-adventure stuff. So not outside my uh, the wheelhouse we've already described, right. but, but YA-focused. Um, yeah, so there'll be some copies of that book as well. Um, and that, uh, yeah, some, uh, you, could, you could get in there and get... Uh, what is that 300 pages of com- Mac comics, I guess. So uh, not bad. Some good stuff there. Yeah. 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 And I noticed on the preview page, you have uh, a quote from uh, somebody who I is one of my favorite artists. And, and somebody yeah. I, I know personally, he's a friend of mine. Obviously you must know him too. It's Liam Sharp. And he, he calls it a beautifully designed high concept cornucopia full of playful layouts and innovative art. So yes. uh, maybe this is spoiling, but I mean, might we see a, a William cover or, or do you do something with, I, I mean, and I know he's got his star, star hinge coming up. Yeah. He's be super busy with that, but it seems like with what you're doing, this high concept sci-fi, you probably would love to, to work I, on something. I like. would, I would love that. I mean, like, it, you know, yeah, William's amazing. I, I actually came to his work later, um, but uh yeah, he's been, I guess we're sort of internet acquaintances at this yeah. point. Um, but he was kind enough to check it out. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that would be amazing. I like, there's, you know, I, it's it, all the, the covers are a lot of function of uh, budget and time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would, I would love to have <laughs> Liam Sharp cover. That would be amazing. Um there's a ton of folks um, that I revere uh, similarly um, that I would love to get on board at some point. And it's, uh, you know, my hope would be that like, I guess while crowdfunding helps you move somewhat faster and self-publishing definitely helps you move faster. And I've got, I have issues. I have Thoughtscape pretty much ready to roll through issue four. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, the, it's really like, crowdfunding still got a pace to it that I think I'm in a cadence to still figure out. And um, so it would be, you know, I'd I'd love to be going at least quarterly with these. Um, And right now, uh, so I guess that plan's pretty dependent, obviously, on how how things go um, with this one uh, and whether or not I can pull it off um, because I'd love to, you know, not be you know 72 and cranking out issue uh, 12 or something you know um so uh so that would be great and i'd love to like recruit guys like liam to do covers um there's so many so many great folks out there um i could just uh, throw money around all day um <laughs> commissioning stuff um yeah it's it's a blast yeah well that that, that brings me to uh my last question um and you you 
kind of touched on it when uh, when you were talking about the the, the final story uh, and, and with Terrell as well. Yeah. Um, you have so many stories in your in your mind. So when you discover a new artist, you know whether it's somebody who's more well known like Liam or, or somebody who's who's less well known. You come across them on Instagram or what have you. Is it a situation where you see their art style and immediately go, "Oh, they're perfect for this story that was already in my head," or is it where you think, "I really would." want to work with this person let me think of a story that would suit their style or does it depend on on the artist is it is a little bit of both it's it's probably a little bit of both um i I would say like maybe it's it i guess it kind of depends on the artist and the situation and if uh, i would say it's gone a lot of ways like with tyrell for example like we did i saw his work we did drones and that was i'm trying to like uh, the pandemic has totally mucked with my sense of time. Yeah. Um, so I want to say like 2018, mm. ni- maybe 19 that we did drones. And then, um, and then after that, as part of, uh, um, I know we don't call it Inktober anymore, but whatever Inktober became, right. um, uh, he did this, um, he did a doom inspired comic. And so every day he posted a pay, a full page um, of like a doom, a doom fan comic. And it was just like, you know, all out crazy action, doom violence. And it was amazing. And I looked at and drones, which I love, but I was like, Oh, I wasn't like playing to Tyrell's strengths, which mm-hmm. was something that, um, you know, I, I got back into comics through Bendis and that, uh, cadre of folks and I had listened to you know podcast ever podcast of him talking about playing to artist strengths so I saw that and I was like oh I need to draw something where I just say like a couple it, like a couple lines of what's happening on this page just you go nuts right um, and so so in that case I definitely came up with something for him based on having like wanting to tap into that mm-hmm. um, Whereas with Carl, it was more like I had this stuff and it's like, oh, he would be a good fit for that. Um, so it kind of, yeah, I guess it kind of goes both ways. And and with uh, Thoughtscape 2319, like seeing Dave's art. So Dave, Dave and I had met the first uh, con that I'd ever tabled at, um, which was like Rose City 2017, I think. Um, and we kind of hit it off and I like to him and uh, uh the uh, Chris that writes uh, space auditorium um, for it or with Dave. Um, and we were talking a bunch and then like the net, was it the following 2019? We like hung out after the con. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just got to thinking about it and I was just looking at Dave's stuff and like, it took a bunch of ideas that I'd had in my head as different stories, even some that I, you know, um, like develop pitches for and stuff and just kind of coalesce them into sort of everything that became the backbone of the whole Thoughtscape world. Yeah. And, and it sort of just happened. Like I was just looking at stuff. I'm like, Oh, and like everything just like fell in. I wrote like 24 pages in a weekend, um, which for me is a lot. Uh <laughs> And, um, and came up with like a bunch of the mythology and stuff. And um, I was like, well, I, I hope Dave wants to do this because, because <laughs> um, here we go. Uh, so, so yeah, that um, it, it definitely works, I guess, a lot of ways. And the other thing that I do that um, 
I really um, like, I guess helps me a lot, helps me like the way I write is to, uh, there's this really old, oldish program for the Mac called comic life. And it is, you pull it up, you can put a panel layout down and you can drag word balloons onto that. And you can put photos of, or whatever, whatever you got on your clipboard Mm -hmm. into the panels. And so I, I'm a, I've been designing, uh, you know, magazine pages, newspaper pages, web pages since I was 16. So it's how I spend most of my time anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm totally visual. And so I, just I I write my comics first by filling out these pages and writing my dialogue and word balloons and captions and everything like so it I get like a real like mocked up comic page right. that then I translate to a script um, so nobody ever sees those mockups but mm-hmm. um, but they help me like sort of you know check my pacing um, make sure like this thing tells a story even if the art is just like you know stock photos of a man, you know, grabbing a doorknob and opening the door and all that, like, just to make sure my pace is good. Um, and, and it's because what work, it's what works for me. So when I find somebody that I think might work for a story, I like kind of start that way, dumping their stuff into the actual thing. So I can just kind of read it like a really rough draft comic. Right. Um, and, and see if it feels right. Um, so that's uh, so that approach really suits, I guess, like coming across somebody and going like, oh, I think maybe they would work for this and I'll drop them in. And yeah, it feels like what this story is. So, um, yeah, it's a bl- I mean, like if I, I could probably have uh, 80% of my fun is like in that, you know, stage of like right. it's all the possibility. And then the rest of the fun is when getting the actual art in and it's amazing. And then there's the 5% of having to get it out to everybody else. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, God, I mean, there's just so many amazing folks out there that it's like no shortage of, you know, I've, I keep just keep a running list of everybody I want to work with. And when I've got a story in mind, I'm usually using, art from one of those folks on that list to like draft it and kind of test it out. So wow. that's, that's a fascinating way to work at it. Yeah. And it's it, slow, it, 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 well, <laughs> but the other thing that it does and it, and the, you know, I, I don't know how much time you spend on comic social media, especially on Twitter. Yeah. It's, a, it's a constant, you know, thing among artists that are always talking about how writers get all the credit, you know, like it'll be yeah. uh, Watchmen by Alan Moore. You know, and, yep. and that's the headline and everybody forgets Dave Gibbons, the way you work, you know, being inspired by this art that you find that, that you think is great. And it's help, helping you write the story shows just how much it's, a you know, visually collaborative. Yes, I, I, that's a, that's just a fantastic way to work. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. And I, don't, I like the script. The script format to me is just so dull right like Mm -hmm. there's no it's it's like the opposite of a comic like there's no there's nothing kinetic to it like so even if um you know it has no vibe i didn't you know so like it's it seems like it's everything that comics aren't right in in not in a good way and um yeah it's it's way it's way more fun i think to like get something down you can you can read through it and make sure it's good and you can then just and then the scripting just becomes like an act of translation and right. dropping in reference. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I've tried to go back to some other ways and like, 
it's it just doesn't really work. I, I guess the exception to that was when I did the action story for Tyrell. I basically was like, I just had one overriding action per page. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote the captions and then I just kind of pasted it out to make sure it was in the ballpark. Yeah. But then when I, I knew my whole intention was that was just let him rip. Right. Like, so right. I just, uh, I gave him all that stuff. And then like, I went back recently and looked at my initial, like cat, even my captions. Um, and I was like, Oh, I, re- I rewrote all the, I lettered that story too. So yeah. like I got that art in and I just spent like weeks just like rewriting myself to just right. like, get out of his way, mm-hmm. um, make it only be the stuff that I felt like really needed to be there and just right. be as like, you know, sin city over the top as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was like a total blast. So it's, um, I don't know. It feels like there's lots of good ways to like mix it up too, even so you don't just get uh, sort of stuck in your, in your boring ways, but script it. I don't know. Straight up scripting. I, I can't imagine ever going back to that really too hard. Well, it's like you said, you're, you're playing to the, the artist's strength. And if they're doing the heavy lifting, you know, yes. your job is to get out of the way Yeah, as, totally. a, as a writer. So, yeah, uh, well, it's been awesome uh, chatting with you, Matt. Uh, best of luck with the uh, campaign. Remember, everybody, uh, you, can get, you can get the first volume as well that was uh, kickstarted last year. Uh, and I'll remind you, as I always do for creator-owned stuff, even if this is not for you, even if it is for you, but you just don't have the means to join right now, the best thing you can do to help out Matt uh, and his artist is to share it on social media. So whether you pledge or not, just please put this out on your social media because there may be somebody else out there who isn't aware that Thoughtscape exists and would absolutely love it. There's nothing worse, as I always say, than finding out about a campaign two days after it was finished and you missed out on it when it's like right in your wheelhouse. So uh, if people want to follow along uh, with your work on social media, Matt, uh, and, and follow you, where's the best place? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Matt MLPDX. So M A T T M L P D X like the Portland airport. Um, and they can find uh, my website at mmlcomics.com or thoughtscapecomics.com. Um, go to the same place and yeah, if, uh, find me on Instagram. I share lots of art and uh, pics from running around Portland um, and other, other nonsense like that. So Great. And I'll put uh, links to the campaign as well as Matt's uh, social media and website uh, in the show notes as always, everybody. So uh, again, Matt, best of luck. Thanks for chatting with me. It's been a a real pleasure. And to all you listeners, we want to thank you uh, as well for for joining us and for supporting as always. Uh, Anything else to share as we're closing up here, Matt? Uh, No, I think that's it. Yeah, just uh, share share it around if you can. We definitely will need, um, because Zoop is new in this uh, sort of self-service space um, of crowdfunding. Uh, We definitely can use all the help we can get. Um, And definitely like I would encourage you if you love comics to follow all the artists that have worked on Thoughtscape. Um, If you go through my social media, you will find uh, you'll find them all um, and ways to get to them. So yeah, just uh, thanks for having me and thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.